Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. That's the best in new inventory. I was talking the other day about uh, a Ford Explorer. Yeah. You know, there's only going to be one place I go to for that. And we know where that's going to be. It's going to be, obviously, at Sunbury Motors. Hey, also a great pre-owned inventory. Fabulous pre-owned inventory. All the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Sales staff that works with you. I mean, do they want to make the sale? Of course they want to make the sale. Jeez, of course they do. Right? But you're not going to get repeat business if you do it wrong. And they want to work with you. They want to make sure that your budget is the priority. And that way, when it comes time to buy your next one, like me, then it's going to work out really, really well. Because you're going to go in there with complete and absolute trust. Is Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, and a great service department, too. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Fly ball into right center field. Back at the wall. It is gone. JT Real Muto has put the National League on the board with a one-out home run here in the fifth. Vladimir Guerrero's home run was the key home run, but we had to play that for out, of, out of some sort of obligation it's like that that home runs the equivalent of Bob Euchre saying I had a grand slam once it made the final 13 to 2 no reaction come on S-U-I-T that spells suit I'd have a little fun here that was a great moment for him great moment for the Phillies too but the American League's now won eight in a row uh, in the All-Star game. Did you watch it last night? I did. I watched uh, most of it, in fact. I did not know JT homered until I saw it on the chart there. I did see. I did not see Otani pitch. I did. I did see the second. Well, it's, I was out with friends last night. Right. Yes, of course. Uh, you know, I decided to have a good time. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> So I didn't see the first inning. I got back and I saw the bottom of the second. Um, I saw Bogarts drive in a run later. I saw Barnes pitch the eighth inning and I saw the bottom of the ninth. I mean, it's a good game. It was a good game. And you know what? If you were, um, the Futures game drew 30,000. The home run derby was sold out. 
game was sold out, obviously. They'll tell you that if you go to an all-star game, it's one thing to be, in our case, 2,000 miles away from Denver and to watch it on TV. They say it's another thing to actually be there, that like being there is a really, really cool experience. And it's a great moment for JT last night and for the Phillies that he did that. All right. Time now to talk some college football. Ladies and gentlemen, time to bring in the outstanding. And, you know, you can get it at Barnes & Noble and other places. Phil Steele. Phil, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Welcome, everyone, back. And the outstanding Phil Steele joins us, uh, the best in the business. Phil. As you and I were talking before we uh, started this, what a difference a year makes. Oh, it, just huge, Steve. Last year at this time I was doing radio shows, and I was saying after talking to all the head coaches last year, I talked to a little over 100 last year, that I felt good we were going to play football because they all had the attitude, you know what, you put the ball in the field, we'll be ready to play. And then conferences started dropping, and there was just in the back of your mind, maybe we're not going to play football this year. But we played. And, you know, the biggest difference this year, Steve, was with the first-year head coaches. Last year, with first-year head coaches, I sent them over my sheets with my uh, 100-plus players on the roster, all my little notes on the players, and I would tell them, you know, okay, put me in the right order and tell me a little something about the players. And the new coaches would say, Phil, you know more about the team than I do. I haven't even <laughs> seen these guys in pads yet. Right. So uh, it was refreshing to talk to. I talked to a little over 110 head coaches this year, and all post-spring, and everybody knew their team. Yeah, which is a yeah a big plus because I know Penn State's going to play Auburn and Brian Harson's in his first year down at Auburn, and so now at least after the Boise State run, he at least, as you can tell when you talk with him, he at least has a feel for the personnel he has. Yeah, and and he likes what he's inherited there. I mean, they've got Bo Nix back at quarterback, Tank Bigsby back at running back. Probably the biggest question mark with the team is the receiver position. A lot of unproven talent there. They did add a Georgia wide receiver, but other than that, the team looks pretty good, especially a linebacker. they got Jacoby McClain, yeah. Owen Popo. They make up my number eight-rated uh, linebacking unit out there. So, uh, yeah, if it was last year at this time, he'd be like, I, I don't even know this team. But, yeah, at least he knew them this year and uh, – uh, it's. Uh, I think Auburn's going to be a good team. They play a tough schedule, though. By the way, for everybody, Barnes & Noble in our area is the area to get Phil Steele's magazine. It is, you know, people ask me, you know, what do you buy? It's the only one I buy. So I just want everybody to know that's how strongly I feel about Phil's content because you're updating it daily. So when you're updating it daily, what is the transfer portal meant to how you update? Because you mentioned the wide receiver going from Georgia to Auburn. He just did that. So what does it mean to your updating all the time in terms of trying to make sure that the publication has the latest information? Well, I think the best thing we did, Steve, was I used to go to the press towards the end of May, and this year I moved it back to June 15th. So we were able to capture all the transfer portal moved as of June 15th. And to give you an example, Luke McCaffrey was at Nebraska last year and transferred to Louisville. He was a backup quarterback there. And then at the end of May, he opts to transfer out and hit the portal again. And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to the press June 15th. We'll never find out where Luke McCaffrey lands. And then, lo and behold, Coach Bloomgren of Rice gives me a call on June 13th says, Phil, we just landed Luke McCaffrey. So we took him, plugged him in as a starting quarterback at Rice, changed the quarterback right up, changed the offense right up, changed the 
uh, total write-up for the team a little bit. Not not major. I mean, you never reflect on just one guy, but we were able to capture all that. So if they hit, if they landed anywhere before June 15th, we've got it in the magazine. And now there has been a couple since then, but uh, I think we captured the majority of them. Yeah, which is outstanding because it's not easy to keep tracking when they can move almost any time they want. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Literally. I mean, I know. And, and, the, and talking to the head coaches, Steve, they're all like, you know what? We got to re-recruit our players. I hope we can. You know, I feel real good about the running back position, provided none of these guys leave. Right. <laughs> right. That was a lot of the topics this year. Yeah. No. Exactly right. That's when you talk to them. They literally have to re-recruit their team every year. So a lot of people want to know what your opinion is of Penn State. Uh, they started out zero and five last year. Won their last four. Uh, it's an interesting team with 54 of the of the 105 that they had in the spring were freshmen or redshirt freshmen, but it's a veteran team in a lot of ways. How do you look at Penn State? Yeah, and keep in mind, freshmen and redshirt freshmen yeah. uh, might just be sophomores, actually, right. because they played last year. They just didn't move their names. So I, I did talk to some coaches that would say, Oh, we've got all these freshmen. I'm like, you know, some of those guys are really sophomores. I mean, they started 12 games. They were a sophomore, for crying out loud. But when <laughs> when I look at Penn State, I see a much improved team. In fact, they are my number one most improved team in the country. You go back to last year, this was not a Penn They They opened up 0-5, but it's not like Penn State was being destroyed on the field. You go back to that Indiana game, they had a 488-211 to yard edge. And somehow, some way, controversial two-point conversion at the end, they end up losing that game, which I think set the tone for the early part of the season. And, you know, uh, Ohio State only beat them by 13. I thought they played a decent game against them. Iowa was a team that's just blowing everybody out and did get the best of Penn State. But I like the way they finished. And there's plenty of talent here. As You know, I've talked to Coach Franklin each of his uh, uh, years that he has eight years that he's been at Penn State, and uh, he, I like the way he's built this roster. And they're a deep roster. You go, you go three deep on this team. Uh, I think the key to Penn State this year is going to be quarterback play. They need Sean Clifford to improve. I thought he took a little step back last year, but remember last year the running back position. You look really strong heading into the year, and then they lose their top guy, lose the number two guy, lose the number three guy, and all of a sudden you are dealing with freshmen last year. I think they're in better shape. Uh, clearly a running back offensive line across the board this year. They are my number one most improved team in the country. Now, playing Wisconsin on the road, Iowa on the road, Ohio State on the road, doesn't make it easy to be a main contender in the East. But uh, I've got them finishing second in the East. Next to some team, um, oh, who was that now? It's, uh, oh, Ohio State yeah, at first. Yeah, about 300-plus miles west of here. Um which you talk about quarterbacks, so I got to ask you, what's the read you're getting on C.J. Stroud? Uh, I think C.J. Stroud is going to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State. Uh, he put on 10 pounds of muscle this year, looked good in the spring game. It, the funny thing and the surprising thing to me, uh, Steve, was if I was the head coach of Ohio State last year, I would have let some of these guys throw some passes late in the games yeah. when it was a blowout because they actually ended the season with zero career pass attempts for the first time since 1952. But uh, all the talk is, you know, and, and the talk coming out of the spring was we're not going to announce a starting quarterback, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be C.J. Stroud. And in this era where the backup quarterbacks, once it's announced there's a starter, they have to transfer. Uh, I think Ryan Day is doing the proper thing by keeping Kyle McCord and Jack Miller motivated, and they will push Stroud, but I think Stroud not only wins the job, I think he'll be one of the better quarterbacks in Big Ten this year. Penn State will open the season, as you mentioned, at Wisconsin. Uh, 
what's the feeling at Wisconsin about Graham Mertz, who had the fabulous opener at Illinois, then got COVID, was out three weeks, and never seemed the same after that? What did Paul Chris tell you about him? You know, I didn't get to talk to Coach Chris, okay. but uh, I will say this with uh, with Wisconsin. I think Graham Mertz will uh, be a much improved quarterback this year, more like the Illinois game rather than what we saw, uh, as you mentioned, when he uh, came back from COVID last year and, and, and definitely struggled. Uh, so I, I think when you look at Mertz, he's a guy that has uh, uh, is, is got every, all the tools you want. He was my number three rated quarterback, I think, coming out of high school, three or four, yeah. something in that area. And uh, he has all the tools you want. He's got a better supporting cast. Last year, Wisconsin only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. Now, Steve, you're you're probably used to Wisconsin averaging five or six yards a carry. Yep. So 3.9 is unusual. And the reason was they didn't have that feature back. Uh, Jalen Berger didn't really take over till the end of the year. This year, they've got four VHTs running behind a veteran offensive line. And for your listeners, VHT is a very highly touted yep. running back. Berger was my number 11 out of high school. They add in a Ches Maluzzi out of Clemson, yep. who's my number 15 rated. They got Julius Davis, Loyal Crawford. So with a better run game, I think we'll see Graham Mertz be a much improved quarterback this year. You know, a lot of people nationally are looking at Oklahoma. So let me tell you, tell me what do you see in Oklahoma? Because the one area, it's one thing about Spencer Rattler, which I'm, you're going to get into here, I'm sure, in a moment. But it seems like Oklahoma defensively is a better team than they have been the past five years. How do you view it? Do you see the same thing? Yeah, absolutely, Steve. I'm right there with you in that. And, you know, you go back to Lincoln Riley's first three years. They made the playoff each of the three years. Then in the playoff, they gave up 54 points to Georgia. They gave up 45 points to Alabama. They gave up 63 points to LSU. Is there any reason, is there any wonder why they lost in the playoff each of the first uh, three years of Lincoln Riley? But you hit it right on the head. Last year, I thought the defense made major strides. They only allowed 21.7 points per game. And naturally, everybody's back. And here's the thing. The playoff teams last year, the four playoff teams, uh, everybody this year I talked to, Steve, all the head coaches were like, all right, this is the deepest we've ever been in spring. We normally are scraping to get it two deep together, and now we go three deep in spring. We have yeah. the deepest team we ever had. Everybody's got 16, 17, 18 returning starters. Like Oklahoma, they have 15 returning starters coming back. The four teams that made the playoff last year all have like 9, 10, 11 returning starters and all lost their starting quarterback. So the door's wide open. I think Oklahoma's a complete team because they have that potent offense, my number one offensive line. The guy I think is going to win the Heisman Trophy, loaded receivers and running backs, but this time they bring a defense to the party they got my number three rated defensive line number nine set of linebackers and number three dbs so add it all up i, I think oklahoma this is their year and uh, I'm, I'm calling for their first national title since 2000 yeah no and, and a lot of people could see why look if you can play defense and you've got a quarterback that now is a veteran i mean rattler's now a veteran which means whatever Lincoln Riley's thinking, he's probably thinking along the same lines. I mean, and that's important. I mean, because the trust between a coach and a quarterback is really important, Phil. Yeah, when he's had three veteran quarterbacks, two of them won the Heisman Trophy, and yeah. the other one was a Heisman finalist. So he does pretty good in that range. <laughs> and the thing, the thing I really like about Spencer Rattler, if you watch that Texas game last year, he was struggling. He got benched in the second quarter. Now, in this era of hit the portal, you wonder what his attitude would be. He came off that bench, and he was an improved quarterback the rest of the year, and I think we'll see that this year. Who's more of a challenger, Iowa State or Texas in the Big 12? I think it's definitely Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, this is Matt Campbell's most complete team. Almost everybody's back from last year. And last year he had a inexperienced offensive line. And uh, at the end of the year, 
Matt Campbell, if you go back to his days at Toledo, always develops young offensive lines. They were actually were a semifinalist for the Joe Moore Award. Well, this year, he's got the entire offensive line back. In fact, Coach Campbell told me it's the deepest offensive line he's had here. They have a chance to be special. Okay, let's take that offensive line, plug it in with a veteran quarterback like Brock Purdy, who's been there for, what, 10 years. <laughs> uh, they've got a running back in Brees Hall, who's among the best in the country, the best tight end room in the country with Chase Allen, Charlie Kolar. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson is explosive at receiver, and then defensively, they always play great defense. Mike Rose is back at linebacker, along with the entire unit. So they've got the offense, they got the defense. They do have to play Oklahoma on the road, but that's the only game they'll be an underdog in all year. All right, so now let's get to, obviously, the SEC. Alabama's the defending national champion again. You mentioned, of course, new quarterback. A, Alabama, but then B, who, who can challenge them in the SEC? I think they've got two legitimate challengers this year, Stephen. For everybody who, after last year, thinks Alabama wins the national title every year, keep in mind, they didn't win the national title in 18 or 19. That's How right. about that? Right. So uh, when you take and a look did, at that. didn't make the playoff in 19. Right, which is just that. Uh, so Alabama does not automatically win the championship every year, and I know they'll be picked number one by everybody this year. But uh, and they they are good. They're yeah, they've got the most talent out there. And even though they lose their number one first round draft pick quarterback, two first round draft pick receivers, three offensive linemen, guess what? They did the same thing last year. They lost the exact same combination and still turned out pretty good. But they're two legitimate challengers, Texas A and M. You talk about recruiting for Nick Saban. Jimbo Fisher's doing the same type of recruiting in his four years at A&M. And when I was talking to Coach Fisher last year, we were going over the offensive line for the Joe Moore Award at the end of the year, uh, he said even though they're going to lose four starters, he feels this year's offensive line may be better athletically, have more NFL guys in it, and be better overall. So that sort of caught my ears. And if you look at A&M, your two weaknesses are, well, they lose four offensive linemen and they lose their quarterback. I like what I saw to Haynes King. I think he's yeah. a mobile guy that can throw the football. I think he's in for a big year this year. The offensive line, according to Coach Fisher, and he told me that again this spring, could be better than last year. Everybody else on the team is back, including my number one running backs in the country. And if you look at their loss last year to Alabama, uh, they lost by 28, but it was really three or four plays in the first half. Go back and watch the first half of that game. Yep. Three plays go their way. They might have been winning at the half, uh, but it, it went against them, and they ended up losing by 28. They get them at home, College Station, October 9th. I think the Aggies have a chance. And then the other team is Georgia, and Georgia really has a path to get to the SEC championship game. They've got JT Daniels back at quarterback, one of the best running backs offensive lines in the country, my number three defense in the country, and you got to love their schedule. They only play three true SEC road games this year, and those are against Auburn, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee. All have first-year head coaches. So yeah. once they get past Clemson in the opener, they'll be favored in all their games. That Clemson game, I only have them a three-point dog. So if they win that, they're in great shape. And keep in mind, the last two years they played Alabama in the postseason, or the last two times they played Alabama in the postseason, they led almost start to finish in both games. Right. I think they trailed for a grand total at two minutes, yet came up with two losses. So they know they can play with Alabama. I think Georgia and Texas A&M are clear, clear threats this year. Yeah, they trailed for the wrong two minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then, you know, and when it comes to the Texas A&M game, this is what Jack Ham and I tell people all the time. They're usually, I don't know, seven or eight pivotal plays in the game. I said, but you don't know if the pivotal play is play eight, play 20, or play 28. I mean, you know, everybody always looks at the end of a game uh, all the time. Can't do that. So it's the total body. Clemson has had an incredible road in the ACC. Obviously, no Trevor Lawrence. 
And here's the other part. No Notre Dame. All right, because they're going back to being an independent. What's the Clemson road this year? Well, they're going to be favored in every game. I think Georgia's the toughest test of the year, and I believe the two teams in the ACC that can uh, stay with Clemson are North Carolina and Miami, and they don't play either during the regular season. They'd have a chance of playing both of those in the ACC championship game. Now, DJ Uyunglele is for uh, Clemson is an outstanding QB. I think he's going to have a good year. He's not going to have Trevor Lawrence exactly, but they put up 38 points per game with them. He's got a better offensive line in front of him than they had last year. They got the number one defensive line in the country. But they are, uh, I think Miami and North Carolina have closed the gap. Watch yep. Sam Howell. Yep. Going to have a big year for North Carolina. Even though he loses top two running backs, top two receivers, I think he has a big year. And then Miami's got De'Ara King. And if De'Ara King's 100% healthy, which I think he will, he's dynamic. they got an excellent set of running backs behind him. Uh, and I think both those teams can uh, give Clemson a, a run for their money. But uh, I won't way out of the box, Steve. My final four would be uh, yeah. <laughs> Clemson, yep. Ohio State, yeah. Alabama, and uh, Oklahoma. How's mm-hmm. that for being a risk taker this well, year? Well, I'll tell you right now, I, I, you and I are going to Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah we'll I'll... be able to we'll be able to put up a couple hundred and win yeah, a couple hundred. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it's funny because that's that exactly the question I was going to ask you next was who. You, who you had in your final four, I, I, which, you know, obviously it's, a, it's an answer I already knew. But uh, when we do this down the road, just so you know, I'm not going to ask you who you think your final 12 is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yes. That's going to be that, a little... that's, Yeah, that's coming in like two years. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to ask you, Phil, who do you have in your final 12? I go, okay. <laughs> Start doing that. Phil, an absolute pleasure. Uh, as you know, you and I could, could knock around football here for about uh, four or five hours, but the, the time you give us is gold. And Barnes & Noble, but also there's one other outlet you should uh, mention to people just in case. Yeah, the places to get the magazine, Steve, it's 352 pages, like getting 130 different media guides rolled into one. And we give you the same amount of coverage on Akron that we do on Ohio State and yeah. Alabama, two full pages. Barnes & Noble is the main location, but it's also at Books A Million. So those two locations this year, or you can go online if you don't find it. It is selling out at a lot of the Barnes & Nobles. So you can go online at philsteel.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E.com. And, and you're not lying, Steve. We could go on. I, I could talk to you for a couple hours in football. This is, <laughs> this is a great I'm enjoying this a lot. Yep, same here, my friend. Appreciate you more than you know. Uh, we reference you and the magazine all the time for good reason. It's the best out there. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for having me on, Steve. And tell Jack I said hi as well. Absolutely. That's, uh, we'll make that a priority. All right. Thanks for having me on, Steve. A lot of fun today. The great Phil Steele. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. The best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory. The budget dictates that's the way you got to go. They have a great selection, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It is Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Okay, uh, a couple things. Uh, first of all, Troy Polamalu, favorite of the suit, by the way. Suit loves Polamalu. Oh, my almighty! Does. Has 18 jerseys. Last play for the Steelers, January 3rd, 2015. The eight-time Pro Bowler and soon-to-be Hall of Fame safety has not been back to Heinz Field for a Steelers game in the years since his final down as a member of the franchise. In 2021, he did confirm that he plans to return to Heinz Field this fall. Specifically, Polamalu wants to be uh, present for his Hall uh, Hall of Honor induction ceremony. Polamalu is part of the Steelers' 2020 class and includes former defensive lineman James, uh, defensive teammate James Ferrier, linebacker Greg Lloyd, uh, Dwight White, and I am, you know, as much as Polamalu is terrific, I am so thrilled that Mike Wagner's going in. Um... Mike has not been well, just so you know. Um, but it, but to get Mike in, Mike is just a terrific guy. Man, I, I like him a lot. No, yeah, he hits a good golf ball, too. Um, but Polamalo will be there. Um, and he will be on hand for that. So Polamalo going back. Uh, has been mad at the, the franchise that they looked at him and said, uh, you're not good enough anymore. Didn't like that. Next, Trev Alberts has been hired as the new athletic director at Nebraska. He made that announcement today. And former, swing of Nebraska, former Nebraska coach Frank Solich is stepping down after 16 seasons at Ohio University. Solich, this is one of those, Solich has always been, along with Jamie Dixon of Pitt, have been two examples of athletic departments that don't get who or what they are. And you have to understand, look, you should always be reaching for as far as you can get. I got it. Believe me, that's that's the, you know, we encourage that all the time. Um, 
me strive to be anything you want to be and go for it. But when you're sitting there as an athletic department and you don't quite see the forest from the trees, you end up with situations like Nebraska in football. Solich takes over for Tom Osborne. And in his first six seasons, wins 58 games. Now, in the first six seasons, Bob Devaney was the coach in Nebraska. He won 55 games. In the first six seasons, no, I'm sorry. In the first six seasons, he uh, Bob Devaney won 52 games. In the first six seasons of his tenure, Tom Osborne won 55 games, and Solich won 58. Now, let's be fair. Solich, because of the expansion in schedule, did coach a couple more games. The schedule wasn't expanded that much, but there was an expansion in the schedule. So he did coach more games, but he had 58 wins, even with expanded numbers. That's still pretty impressive. The problem was they were, you know, they won 11 games one year, 10. You know, they won nine his last year. He had one year where he was seven and seven. Then he went nine and three after that. And essentially, they said, "Look, we're Nebraska. We're not a nine-win program." So they got rid of him. Higher expectations. Um, since two thousand, when they let him go, two thousand three. Let's say it was two thousand three, because I did a game out there in three, and he was still a coach. And how many times have they had nine wins since? I mean, Polini did well. Polini made the Big Ten championship game. But what have they done since? I mentioned Jamie Dixon because Jamie Dixon, here's the complaint about Jamie Dixon. The complaint about Jamie Dixon was, well, he can get us to the Sweet 16, but no offense, you know, we got to be able to go further. So Jamie Dixon ends up going to TCU, his alma mater. How many times has Pitt been in the NCAA tournament since Jamie Dixon left? To my recollection, I might be wrong about this, I don't think they've been in the NCAA tournament since he left. How does the Sweet 16 look now at Pitt? I mean, how does it look now? Amazing. Nebraska? Let's just see. Let's check it out. Okay, Solich, his last year was 2003. I was correct. They had, under Bo Pelini, three 10-win seasons. So let's give Bo credit. And they've had Bill Callahan had one nine-win season. Pelini had one, two, three nine-win seasons. 
four nine win seasons. In fact, the, the fewest wins that Pelini had in a year was nine. Pretty good. Mike Riley had one nine win season. Scott Frost, of course, is still building. You sit back. I mean, you sit back and you ask yourself. I mean, Solich's last year. Now they were ten and three, but Solich didn't coach the bowl game, so they were nine and three. He didn't coach the bowl game. But my goodness gracious, I always sit back and I ask like the question all the time: Do you know how good you have it? And sometimes people don't. I've tried to tell you that all the time. You just don't believe me. No response. Tried to tell the suit over and over again. You've got the chief. Do you know how good you have it? I'm the show. (laughs) You, sir, are my hero. But sometimes you I mean you gotta realize who you are and what fits. I mean he's you know, I mean here's a guy, for example, um uh from Beatrice, Nebraska. I mean, knows the area, the whole deal, and they felt they had to have somebody else. Okay. And haven't quite been the same since. Bo did pretty well. But again, same story. Well, you can only get us nine wins. Well, guess what? That might be your max number. I mean, you do have to ask that. I mean, is that your max number? Have you maxed out? But he, uh, he announced his retirement today, and it's effective immediately, by the way. This is not one of those he's going to do one last season. He's 77 years old now. Did a good job at Ohio University, won four conference titles, the whole deal. Did really, really well. But he stepped down today, 16 years at OU. He did well. Tomorrow, Jerry Dulac's going to be on the show. We'll talk about the Open Championship at Royal St. George's. That uh, gets underway tomorrow. The NBA Finals will move into Game 4 tonight. To the credit of the Bucks, they have now made it a series. It really becomes a series when the other guy... Finally wins. Well, the other guy finally won. And uh, not only that, Giannis has been great 41 points in the last outing. I mean, you look at... You know, the way he came down in the Atlanta series. Then he had to sit out. I mean, let's give credit where credit is due. I mean, he has overcome, I mean, you know, the the training staff and then how hard he worked to get himself back. Wow. That's impressive. Very impressive. And he's playing great basketball. Great basketball. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Phil Steele, we thank him for being on the show in the previous half hour. And then uh, Raven Semple from Bucknell on the Paralympic, United States Paralympic team. 
We thank him for being on in the previous hour. Tomorrow, Jerry Dulac on the show. And the after show will feature Suits' Greatest Moments. No God! No God! No God! Uh, that'll air at... Um, Midnight Pacific time, 3 a.m. here in the East. On News Radio 1070 WK. Guerrero Jr. joining as the Guerreros, Vlad Sr. and Jr. join Bobby and Barry Bonds and Ken Sr. and Ken Jr. Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr. as the only father-sons did all-star game home runs. That was last night. And Vlad Jr. was the MVP of the game. How about this story? The Jacksonville Jaguars said today that Coach Urban Meyer and General Manager Trent Baalke were subpoenaed as part of a lawsuit filed by lawyers for black former Iowa football players alleging discrimination by some members of the school's coaching staff. The team said Meyer and Baalke submitted a written response to the subpoena, which is seeking information about the Jags' decision to hire and then fire former Iowa strength and conditioning coach Chris Doyle in January. Team in a statement said, we respect and will cooperate with the legal process as required. However, the Jags have no information that would be relevant to the lawsuit between student-athletes and the University of Iowa. Yeah, I don't quite get where this, where this fits in. At this point, he's released from one job and he's hired for another job. I don't quite, I don't think that has anything to do with the lawsuit. I mean, they're not suing the Jags. They're not suing the NFL. They're not suing Meyer or Balky. Not saying Meyer or Balky didn't make a big mistake. I think they did. All right, I think they did. It was just you know, even just on pure timing, it's not the right thing to do. But what does their hiring have to do with the Iowa lawsuit? Unless Doyle told them something and they have to reveal it. I don't know. The federal lawsuit filed in Iowa accuses the Hawkeye staff of demeaning black players with racial slurs, forcing them to abandon black hairstyles, fashion, and culture to fit the Iowa way, promoted by head coach Kurt Ferentz, and retaliating against them for speaking out. The university agreed to pay Doyle $1.1 million in a resignation agreement in June of 2020 after scores of former Iowa players said on social media that he had bullied and discriminated against them. Doyle has denied the allegations. An investigation by an outside law firm found the program's rules perpetuated racial and cultural biases and diminished the value of cultural diversity and allowed coaches to demean players without consequence. U.S. District Judge Stephanie Rose earlier released athletic director Gary Barta and current strength coach Raymond Bathway as defendants. Also dismissed were allegations that Iowa created and maintained a systemic pattern and practice of unlawful race discrimination and that Ferentz failed to train and supervise his staff. That's out of the lawsuit as well. 
The former players were allowed to pursue claims of intentional discrimination by offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz, Kirk's son, and Doyle. So I guess the connection here with the Jags is the fact that they hired him and then fired him. So you hired him. Why'd you hire him? What did he say when you were with him? What did he say about his previous employment? And why did you fire him? I guess that's got to be the reasoning behind it, right? All I can do is laugh. How's that hire looking now, Jacksonville? Well, when they start playing, we'll see. Yeah, it was one of those. Remember when they hired Doyle, how perplexed I was. I'm like, okay, really? And then I, I never thought Jacksonville would get rid of him. I really didn't. I thought, now, nah, okay, you know, this is the pros, a little bit different. I mean, everybody I know that's gone from college to the pros in strength and conditioning, you know, I'll talk to them, they tell you it's a totally different world. Totally different world. Um, you don't have the control that you had before. You know the power you had, control any of that. You just don't. If you're doing this in college, I mean, there are times of the year where you're the only one in the staff that's allowed to have direct contact with the players in terms of working with them. Pros, not the case. I mean, I was perplexed they hired him, and then, obviously, they caught some heat, They then they fired him. Okay. So my guess is they want to know, probably want to know what he said about his previous employment in his interview, and then you hired him, okay, then why did you fire him? Now, at this point, he's had no opportunity to work out with anybody in Jacksonville, so it can't be a performance thing. It had to be, you know, did you find out something at Iowa we should know? I don't know. I would guess that. So that's the Iowa story today. The Big 12, by the way, had its media, is having its media day first. Uh, Bob Bowlesby said, he, the commissioner of the Big 12, that he's encouraging his athletes to um, get vaccinated. And, yes, they will continue with uh, a level of protocols in the Big 12. Now, the question will be, do they do this in the Big 12? Uh, and if they get to 85%, then they then change what, how they go about it. Right? That's uh, 85% for whatever magical reason appears to be the magic number in sports. If you're 85% vaccinated, you're in. And see, the Phillies, the Phillies have a problem because there are a couple of key players, key players, that won't do it, and it's causing a clubhouse problem.